Hi, I'm Molly Moran, and this is the Table Wine Podcast. I am joined in person by my lovely co-host, Andy Stoiber. Hello, in person to hear that gravelly, rich, sexy voice. <laughs> Isn't it great today? It is. I love it. Thanks. I'm going to embrace it. It's not not feeling so hot, but, you know. It wasn't until you said something right before we started recording that now I noticed it. I'm like, oh, yeah, it is a little gravelier. I like it. Obviously, this isn't actually the worst thing that could happen to a person, but I will say that having a cough in the time of COVID that is not COVID sucks because everybody looks at you like you're a horrible person. That, yeah. Andy, what's new in your world? So it is spring break, as I announced last week, but it's not quite what I was hoping. Um, Pretty busy. But I will say, because Molly texted me yesterday morning, and I didn't see the text for like, you know, three or four hours (laughs) later because I was in bed until afternoon. (laughs) Which I said last week, my goal is to just lay in pillows. And so at least I, you know, bed, sleeping late, that counts Mm -hmm, as laying mm -hmm. in pillows. But, and I was also laying in pillows because I worked out hard for the first time since before the pandemic, really. Like deadlifting and things and running like laps for Mm. warming up. And I was like, oh, this is great, but I'm so exhausted. And then my body was in just like so much sore pain that I actually went to get a massage. A professional. Well, actually, I mean, there's a massage school in Madison. And so I went there, cheapest massage of my life, and one of the best massages of my life. Wow. Awesome person. Vanessa, if you're listening, I don't think so. But, <laughs> but we ended up talking during the whole massage, too, which is not the typical thing. But it was like a fun conversation that I want to be her friend. I think she wants to be my friend afterward. Aww. So that was a plus. But, like, my body was in intense pain and soreness, and I needed to sleep. And that was my week. It was just like... hey trying to be fit and being like, oh, God, this is hard. Listen to your body, man. Yeah. Listen. That's good. I'm proud of I totally trolled him yesterday. I was like, I deadlift every week and I never have to sleep in. That's what I said. <laughs> Which if you do it every week, it's good for you. That, you then you'll probably. Good supportive friend. That's me. <laughs> <laughs> no shaming at all. No. <laughs> Molly's a beast. <laughs> this true. is the low-key thing about Molly. She's a fitness queen. <laughs> Yeah. Mm-hmm. How, how about you? How's your week? It's good. We finally put it out into the universe so people now know that Table Wine is moving this summer. We're in the process of buying a building a couple blocks away from where we currently are. And we're waiting on final approval from the SBA. So it feels a little like I'm jumping the gun on the announcement. But people have been asking and some people know and some people don't. So we just kind of put it out into the world. So that's our big, exciting news. That's so exciting. Uh any details you can share or? Yeah, so we are buying a building that was built in the turn of the 20th century. It was originally a grocery store. So we have found a, just a couple of photographs of what it looked like originally, which is really cool. That's yeah. really cool. Yeah. I didn't know that was a grocery store. Yeah. One of the reasons for the move is that it has a seating area outside. So we're very excited about that. And, you know, if Assuming that COVID kind of stays, it would be nice to have outdoor space and, you know, like a little bit more flexibility in terms of that stuff. So, I mean, Madisonians love an outdoor space. Uh, I was just talking about this where it's funny where people just like love yesterday was a warm day. You see everybody and it's like, that's why people love Madison. It's like bikeable. You can be outside. But then it's like it is winter half the year. I know. But people will eat it up. All summer long. Yeah, for sure. Right. And I think cut my commute in half. (laughs) So my commute is normally a seven minute walk. And now I think my commute is a 
three-minute walk, so I have no excuse to ever drive. What a dream. That's amazing. (laughs) It's pretty great. It's pretty great. So that's our big excitement. And also, Andy is at my house right now. He has seen my whole family. It's St. Patrick's Day. Yeah. I have to honor and acknowledge that. It's a big deal in my house. How Irish are you? I am 15 sixteenths Irish. Oh, my God. Yeah. And I didn't know that until college. I thought I was 100% Irish, and that was always my, like, icebreaker. Yeah, yeah. Fact. Have we talked about this before? No, no, but I I have a similar. (laughs) That's how I wooed Connor when we were in college, and we played two truths and a lie. And one of my truths was I'm 100% Irish, and Connor was like, I want to know that girl, because he's 75% Irish. And he was like, I never get to meet somebody who's more Irish than me. And I was like, I am Connor Moran, Connor Patrick Moran. That's amazing. Yeah, I'm a quarter Irish, I believe. My heritage is always confusing because I feel like I learned a couple years ago that I'm like Swedish. Mm. And I was like, I'm, when did that come up? Like, yeah. So I know I'm Irish. I know I'm German. And then there's some like mm, uh, uh, question marks. Yeah. Um, but the Irish thing, because I have red hair. Right. It's prominent. Yes. In my life. Um, yes. And my middle name is Callan which is my mom's maiden name, mm-hmm. which corresponds to a place in Ireland. I, oh, cool. County Callan, I yeah. think. So it'd be cool to go. Yeah. Some, my, my skin would work there. Yeah. <laughs> That's why I want to go because it's I want to like... It's meant yeah, for us. Exactly. Like I yeah. want to be in a place where I don't get sunburned. Yeah, I was just talking with Danielle at the shop about how much we love Dublin and Trinity University and That's Sally Rooney. So, <laughs> you know, yes. let's just bring it back as That's we, true. I always do. So... Irish pride. That's good. I'm so happy St. Patrick's Day, Andy. Happy St. Patrick's Day. Thank you. It's time now for our aperitif, a little bit of fun knowledge to wet your palate. The word terroir is both wonderful and devastating. Let's talk about why it's great. Terroir is the concept that all of the things about the environment in which a wine is made go into the way that the wine tastes. So the soil that the grapes grow in, the climate, the rainfall, the altitude and topography of the region, all of that goes into imparting flavor in the wine. And I think there is real legitimacy to this word. It's a French term, and I think that you can taste it. We're going to do a blind tasting later today at the shop, and people are going to be trying to guess where a wine comes from, right? And so the very idea of being able to teach a class like that is based on terroir. But I also think that it's a challenging word and one that I actually don't use very often with customers. And here's why. One of the things that we focus on at Table Wine is trying not to be gatekeepers of wine. It's one of the things that is fundamental to who we are and the kind of wine people that we are. And so when I say a word like terroir, and I've done it many times before the shop, And I'd watch people's eyes kind of glaze over or, you know, I can tell that people are kind of like, I don't know what that means, but I'm not going to ask. Why not use the words that actually describe what you're saying in more detail? So you can talk to somebody about like, oh, this is high altitude Malbec, meaning that it's not quite as ripe as the lower altitude one. Do you think you want ripe fruit or do you think you want kind of like more mineral stuff, right? That's a much more understandable way to talk about wine than to just say, oh, that one really shows the terroir. What does that mean to a regular person? And I think that terroir is just one of those words that for me both encapsulates an idea that I do very much love and is part of the gatekeeping process. So I'm working on how to talk around it, teach about it. And this is one of those ways to 
define the word, talk about what it means, and let's see if we can deepen the conversation by being even more precise in our language. If there are other wine terms that you've been wondering what do they mean or what do people in the wine industry mean when they use them, I'd love to hear from you. What are the other ways that that gate is being kept? Let's let's open that gate. All right, so today we are doing something very special. We'll be popping the cork and decanting simultaneously because we are having a blind tasting showdown. <laughs> it is. Showdown. We have a special guests as part of our showdown. Yeah. Connor Moran is joining us. Hi. How's everybody doing? And our host for this lovely showdown is one Miss Pippa Moran. Hi, guys. <laughs> yes. <laughs> that, that, that. Last time she had parent-teacher conferences and didn't have school she was on. So uh, <laughs> here we are six months later. <laughs> Amazing tradition. <laughs> Um, so here's the story. We are have been following natural wine from the people who make it all the way through. Andy and I and Connor are going to be blind tasting wines. What I know about these wines is that they are from table wine. I do not know what they are. And our intention is to, to see if we can figure out what's natural and what's conventional. Yeah. We know that they're chilled. We know that they're chilled. <laughs> that That's what we know. I, yeah, I'm excited for this. Lucas is the one who picked out the wine, right? If you know Lucas from the shop. Um, otherwise, I was just drinking a natural wine. Actually, the Barbera from last week. And I drank it at home, opening it. And I was like, I think there's something really powerful about dr- the, the context of drinking. And last week when we drank that, I felt like it was a very different experience when I drank it at home. I like to think that. Mm-hmm. But we're going to yeah, find, so we'll find out. we'll find out. Exactly. We'll find out. So here we go. Wine number one. Game on. <laughs> I'm like confident right now. So we're guessing whether or not it's conventional or natural and then also trying to get grape region. Yeah. Let's balls. see how much we can go. Yeah. <laughs> see, let's see what we can do. And I really want everyone to know that like I really genuinely do not know what these wines are. And I'm really excited about this and also terrified. I'm scared that I'm going to make a fool out this of myself. This is so terrifying. It's the ultimate test. Watching Som, like watching Som, and you see these people just doing it, and it's like so easy, and it takes a lot of work to get to that place. Yeah, and like we don't blind taste ever. I don't. No. I haven't in years. So, you know, I'm out of practice. I know. If anybody wants to join a blind tasting group with me, hey, I would do I'd that. Be down. Do okay, that. I'd be down. I'd be down with that. And Connor is helping Pippa open the bottles, but he also doesn't know what they are, right? Yeah. Opening bottles with my eyes closed. Oh my <laughs> How'd that go? Great. Great. Pippa, do you have anything to say? Well, I really am excited to see what you guys think of this wine because to me, I always am the one who gets to smell the wine. At my house, last time Andy was over here, I did this like whole grand thing and, and then <laughs> I was like... Oh my God, I can do this amazing thing. But now I get to pour the wine and it is so cool. So let's see what you guys think. Pippa, can you do me a favor? Can you take all the bottles of wine out of the fridge? Cause can th- do. This is really cold. Let's go. And I don't know how successful we're going to be here. We can always come back to it. <laughs> is this Molly saying she doesn't know every bottle of wine in her shop based on smell and color? I'm saying, <laughs> I'm saying that it smells like the fridge. <laughs> Smell like the fridge. If our fridge smelled this good, I'd yeah, it smells really good. Yeah. Hmm. 
I think it's a Bernier Shard. Definitely doesn't taste so. I don't know what I was expecting. Oh, it's tartar than that, I guess, maybe. This is hard. Yeah, it's definitely tart. There's definitely like an apple-y thing to it. But... And the lemon. Yeah. Okay, so here's a problem. I'm like trying to, I'm trying not to pick which specific wine it is. Yeah. But in my effort to not pick. But then I'm like, hmm, it's either that it's natural and it's Gaspard P. Soft Blanc. Or it's not natural and it's something else. Oh, do you think this could be Gaspard you think Soft it's Blanc? Bit... I'm sorry, you think this tastes French? <laughs> This does not taste French to me. Mm-hmm. No, this I guess tastes it tastes American. Harder. I think it it's going much more Spanish white to me. Like, real crisp with nice acid. See, I don't disagree. Molly rolls her eyes. No, I don't. I think I had co- I was drinking coffee too soon before this. And I think my I had first a Guinness wine. like 20 minutes ago. <laughs> okay, so maybe I have no excuse. Okay, let's run through the list of questions, though. Do I think it's natural versus nope. conventional? Conventional, I think. What do you think? I mean, the weird, I don't, the thing is when I first, the first time it touches my tongue, every sip, it feels like yeah. I'm licking wax. Not in like a beeswax way, but just kind of like a, what? A waxiness? Yeah. In a like, yeah. not fruity, just like a, here's licking a tank type of vibe. I don't know. Like a, yeah. I. Which way does that skew for you? Well, that's the weird thing. Um, I feel like it's conventional. I don't feel like, I don't know. There's just nothing. If we think, yeah, I think it's conventional. If we think back on what's come emerged at least is like the purity of fruit that's come out as kind of a key for yeah. natural wine. I'm not getting like a pure, fresh no, off fresh. the vine vibe. No. What do you think? Well, I don't know, but I guess just to play devil's advocate, I'll say natural. Okay. This has the waxiness that Andy's talking about is reminds me of like Pinot Blanc. That's what I always think when I drink Pinot Blanc. This like flat note as I start to drink it. So, but we don't have any natural Pinot Blanc. No, no, I just mean so maybe that. Is, <laughs> That's a maybe power is what the, uh, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We also don't know Lucas didn't go shopping somewhere else. I told oh, him specifically okay. he needed to pick <laughs> okay, a table okay. white. No, I told him specifically, and he was at oh. work. Yeah, no, that's okay. Okay, do we want to do we want to reveal what it is? Wait, wait, let's give us wait. wait should we, we do a reveal questions? at the end, or we have? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's fine. I really think I need to stop trying to figure out what specific wine I know, it is. But that's always going to be a thing. Um, I know, but I, I, I think that's my. I want to see if anything changes over like even twenty minutes with each wine as it warms yeah. up. Let's see. Maybe it is because it's so cold that I'm still just skeptical. On yeah, I think I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna not. I'm just gonna let it warm up. This it's is gonna be funny. a real mind fuck. <laughs> Like it is a real mind should do like it is just a totally different experience of drinking wine. You think you understand wine, and then when something's in your glass and you don't know what the bottle is, you have no contextual clues. Like it just shows how important context is. But it's also really interesting because it's like, do you like this? And I'm like, I'm having trouble answering that question yes, for myself. I agree. Like I'm like, I don't know if I like it or not. And now I'm like realizing just how much atten- attention is paid like to the place or the maker or whatever, yeah. right? So I talk a good game, but here I am. I'm trying to think of what a good analogy is for what, like blind wine tasting. And maybe this is, I don't watch sports. <laughs> this is me stretching. <laughs> but it's like, I wonder how people would be if you had to watch sports teams play and you didn't know what team they were on or like they everyone was, you couldn't tell who was who and you had to guess which team was playing based mm-hmm. on just, you know, 
the plays they're doing. That seems really hard, right? I think it's or similar. Or gate, right? The you gate. know that there are like four players where you're like, oh, that's how LeBron James plays basketball. And so many players that you'd be like, no idea. Right. And so there's at least maybe we'd say there's some wines that have really obvious tells. And outside of those, it becomes extremely yeah. difficult. Yeah. Well, and I'm just thinking, Connor and I watched a bunch of movie trailers the other night. Uh, just like For my, like an hour. <laughs> I've done that. <laughs> and I will not name it because, you know, you could absolutely adore this movie. And I'm sure people who are listening probably adore this movie. But we watched a trailer and I was like, if that wasn't directed by so-and-so, uh-uh. Like, I was like, no way. Do you want to say anything? Well, I did hear you guys talking about watching movie trailers for like an hour in pure Pippa fashion. My heart was just like, oh, my God, that is so me. I do that <laughs> all the time for people who don't know that. I will like if I'm told you can watch a movie, I'll watch like movie trailers for a half an hour and then I'll watch a two hour long movie. So I'll just be like screened. It's really weird. <laughs> Great. Uh, thank you, Pippa. <laughs> the today. Like, yeah. Yeah. Yep. Welcome to our life. Welcome Andy. to our life, everybody. Yeah. Something happens on that finish. Yeah. Like, bites you back a little bit. Yeah. I'm, again, I'm not confident. More, I'm like, this is natural. I'm not like, so far, the first two, first sip would. I'd lean conventional off the first sip of this. So maybe my gut is right, and I should just go with my gut that this is conventional. Um, I'm getting some nice, a little bit more minerals here for me. Yeah. Yeah. So that makes me think of a Spanish white, actually. Like you were thinking the last one is Spanish white, Connor. That's this amazing, one is Spanish I'm like, white. oh, this one's French. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. This smells like Albarino to me more. There's a lot of, there's some saltiness there. Yeah. Like, there's some saltiness on that finish. Yeah. Pretty round, though. Mm-hmm. I vote conventional. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'd say conventional. Then conventional. I think it's muscadet. What? Really? What? Really? What muscadet? I, I don't think this is muscadet. Oh, the orgua. What's that? What's the one that starts with an O? No, no, no. The sh the, the caru or the charo carré. So that's the one. Yeah, that's... That's no. like Quincy and Appley no, and say that. Well, then you think this is peppy? Yeah, I'm like, this isn't yeah. peppy. I don't think this is. No. All right. Well, this is why I'm not on the podcast every week. You could be totally right. We'll find out. I could out. be totally right. We'll find out. All right, Pips. Let's do number three. Number three. I don't. What do you think of this? Is I'm Pinot Grigio. Uh, it, like it's like a. To me, I'm getting. Okay, so I'm struggling. This is not going the way I expected it to. How did you expect it to go? I um, I thought that I would be able to discern more. Yeah, I'm sure. Isn't that always the case? And I find that these wines taste really similar. Okay. They're very not similar in color. And based on just the color, I would say one is natural and two is not. Because mm -hmm. one's got this like haziness to it. Right? Yeah, it really does have a hazy. Like one is unfiltered, very clearly unfiltered. And so that would make me say that it is the natural. We've got a third white wine here. I do wonder if one was too cold when we drank it and if it would be different now. We'll come back to it. And that's right in the middle. <laughs> that's, 
Half and half. Pip, what do you think? What are your words? Anything? As Dad was saying, the first one is the handsiest, but Dad is like, he's married to a wine store owner and he owns part of the wine store. Yeah, I sneaky know stuff. So this. <gasps> Have you guys gone back to number one yet? No. Go back to number one. Wait, no, no. We're on number three. Oh, I okay. thought it was even waxier. I just went back to number one. It's a real wax. Do you get wax? Or okay. like that. I was thinking of that Chablis conversation we had where it reminds me of like, yeah. it's very reticent and just like, I get this waxy thing that I'm like, what the fuck is that? Made you gasp. What made you gasp? Well, it tastes so different. So if nothing else, don't drink your wines right out of the fridge or, or I guess just be aware if you are drinking your wines right out of the fridge that they're going to taste very different when they warm up and that it's like a whole new wine. Like yeah. a whole new wine that has a completely different flavor. When we were tasting it initially, it was frosting the glass. Yeah. And now it's not. No, and Andy's talking about this waxiness. There is this like mouthfeel, this very really lush. Yeah. Coating. Yeah. And now, now I think it's the grave. Oh. I think it's the I think it's the semion. Semion. Okay. That, I think it's the waxy, the waxy semion. That's smart. That's but we'll find out. Okay. Are we going to do three now? Mom, you're like a wine detective. It's kind of scary. <laughs> it's a BS artist, I believe, is the... <laughs> it's just about clues, Molly. Right? It doesn't always get you there. I feel right, stone fruit. I feel like everything's been Ooh. in a stone fruit. I know fruity. you struggle with stone fruit. I do. <laughs> <laughs> this does have a stone fruitiness right. to it, though. Mm-hmm. I know we don't talk about it this way, but this was the one that feels the most new world to me of the three it's a good white peach i think it's like the lack of acid across these three for me that i'm like it's troubling me i'm used to more high acid whites maybe so i'm like this isn't my wheelhouse my teeth don't hurt at all yeah there's something texturing here yeah in this wine yeah i i do i i don't feel like it like finishes quite enough for me though like it just kind of washes off the back of my Huh, this feels skin contacty to me. There's something textural about mm-hmm. it. This is so much harder than I thought it would be. <laughs> <laughs> what have you been bringing into the shop? <laughs> like, what are these things that? It's so funny. I thought he would, um, I don't know. I thought it would be clear cut. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'll take it. Lucas, you did a good job. Yeah. Trixie. Yeah, I have no idea what that third wine is. Okay. Like, I don't have any okay. insight at all. It doesn't, I, I feel like there are no clues, detective. Um, you And you, you don't get the texture thing that I get. I do. I get the texture thing, but I just don't, like, there aren't the, the typical white wine blind components that I would look for, like I'm not finding any of them. It's a very subtle wine. That said, I would drink it like all day long. <laughs> like, But even like number, like there's this common thread between them and they're like, they're all mellow drinkers, right? Or, so Danielle did say, so she looked at them and she said, wow, those, that's not what I would have picked. They're not necessarily what I think of when I think of natural wine. And so, like, I've had that in my head where I'm like, oh, so you're cheating. Okay. No, no, I'm no. not cheating. I just mean, like, that he didn't pick 
yeah, the funkiest I'm, bottle. And that's I, great. I asked him, you know, I yeah. didn't, that was not my intention. I'm wondering, I'm trying to think of what's in stock, but Italian mm-hmm. white, um, it's this For third what? one. Mm. Especially mm-hmm. if it's a, I'm like, what are the natural Italian whites that, the subtler white Italian grapes that like are a, not in your face, but are. And it's a blend, so, that yeah. are, you know, you don't have. All right, do we want to call them? Yeah. Okay. We'll go, we'll just go back and we're going to taste each one and make a call on whether it's natural or conventional. And then I maybe, more maybe place if you, you know. And then people will reveal. Yeah. Do we feel comfortable with that? It will feel. <laughs> all three at the end, once we've gone. Through. Oh, all three at the end? Yeah. Okay. 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 Molly, you go first on the first one. Okay. So to recap where we are, we looked at one, and it is definitely like the haziest of the bunch, and so it kind of appears to be unfiltered. But on the palate, I don't really feel like it tastes that way. It doesn't taste doesn't have a weight to it in mm-hmm. that same way. I'm, yeah, I'm not getting anything. And I'm getting some sort of oak now mm-hmm. that I wasn't getting before. Right. When you thought it was Bernier. So I will say that it is conventional. Yeah, I would agree with conventional. No, nothing. None of my spider senses are tingling about natural. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I went devil's advocate. I picked natural and I picked Spanish white when you guys were. And you're sticking with that? <laughs> yep. 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 The judgment that you've seen. <laughs> yep. Not changing. Uh, I just, you know. This is how fun. we've been married for 18 years. We just are like, yes, uh, courage of go, our convictions, go. you know? Yep. Mm-hmm. Well, so did you, do you know where it's from, Molly? Do you have a, mm. a guess? Andy? I mean, you said Semion, and I like that as a probably the best. But what are the Semions? The Grav. That's. The Gravilla Coast? Yeah, see, and my memory of that wine is more acid. Yeah, lemony. It's not quite yeah. as waxy. Like, there's some Lemon's shared characteristics. I mean, because there's some American newfangledy thing. I mean, there could be, there could be a U.S. shard. Yeah, which is kind of where I'm leaning right now. Yeah, I haven't. I'm, but I don't know. Let's go. I with, know that I don't know. <laughs> okay. Let's go with U.S. shard. <laughs> No. Oh, gonna, I see. Andy's just gonna. Wait. I'm gonna make you go first. Take it. Turn yep. number two. Well, no, I was. You, you. Wait. What are you going with? What was you saying? Oh, you are. T- okay. Okay. I didn't know. I okay. thought You might have stuck with Semyon and Fran. No. Like some sort of- no, I talked myself out of it. Okay. Okay. Let's do number. Why two. number two? I just really like number two. Like I kind of just want to be drinking it. But it's not a wine that I feel like I know from the store. I think it's a Spanish white. Yeah. I think that it is. Mm. Well, so we, okay, we went with conventional for number one, Molly. Both of us agree. Yeah. And so yeah. two and three, one of these needs to be natural. <laughs> right, Lucas? <laughs> yeah. Mm. What are you saying, buddy? What am I? Okay. I'm not um, going until you go. I need to. Don't think about three, Andy. Just pick what you think two is. But everything exists in relation to each other. I'm going to go because I still think it's Muscadet. I know. Yeah, I'm not going to say it's that. So So I'm I'm going with Muscadet slash French white. And I guess I'll say it's natural just based on what I know about the Muscadets we have. I think it's a Spanish or Italian white. Yeah, whatever. (laughs) Gadeo is my closest. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. And I guess I say it's conventional. I'm trying to think. What are the? 
what are the natural Spanish whites that we haven't? Yeah, started? we're gonna we're gonna cheat a little bit. I'm always gonna look at the list of natural wines on the website. Which P.S. You can look at a list. Search. You can look at a list of natural wines on our website. Okay. Yeah. I. Uh, goodness, I'm gonna have to change my answer on one of these because I think they're all conventional. I don't. Th- I don't think any of these are natural wines. I think that's well, fair. Okay. So you're unconventional for number two. Yeah. And what do you think it is, Molly? Like, where where is it from, or what is it? Oh yeah, I think it's a Spanish white. Okay, well, we're, we flip-flopped. You both thought the first one was French and the second one was Spanish, and I thought the first one was Spanish and the second one No, but one we was guessed French. you assured for the, oh, the yeah. first and one to back to the U.S. Okay, wine number three. I don't like number three. I think number three is conventional, and I'm going to say number two was natural. I'm going to have to say... And that, that might mean that it's not a Spanish white, and I don't care about that part of it. Tasting three. Yeah. So what I'm going back to in my mind is all the people that we've interviewed this season who've talked about after you drink a lot of natural wine, conventional wine feels less alive. And I feel like two is more vibrant. I feel like three is like dead. Agreed. Like I feel like there's just this like not, there's not a lot of life in that wine. Mm-hmm. I agree with that. I think I get some kind of um, manipulation out of three. Like it's it's trying to take me somewhere as a wine that it's not supposed to be taking me. I'm going to say it's a conventional wine from the Southern Hemisphere. I'm getting like Australia, New Zealand vibes off it, but I guess it could be South Africa or as well. But I, that's where I'm, that's what I'm doing. Andy, what are you going to say for three? Well, I might just stick with my Italian, Italian white that, and I might. Andy hasn't picked a natural wine I might be bold enough to say it's natural. I'm just going to go with natural because I have to. And weirdly, this is a weird build up to like, I think we're all expecting to be disappointed and confused and maybe is any of us, hopefully we're right on something. Okay. So Pippa, you're going to take one, one, go with one. Wait, is that one? So one one we said was conventional (laughs) and we thought American shard. You and me. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. You think it's French? I said it was a Spanish white and I think it might be natural. Connor's going to be right and we're going to be crying just (laughs) we're going to have to hand the show over to Connor (laughs) and Pippa yes and oh Oh! I did it it is not natural wow that's fine but it is Spanish white number one is Filar Bilar Bilar sorry Pete the shard part of that makes sense right so it is a weightier white wine that is aged in some oak and so that makes sense that totally makes so sense. we uh we split the vote on that one connor got the place and the wine right <laughs> no i don't feel good about the future fix <laughs> <laughs> the dominoes are falling and it doesn't uh-huh. look good okay, so for n- number two wait hold on before you take it out of the bag let's recap connor and i both thought it was natural andy thought it was conventional we're all over the board on where we think this is from i i thought spanish but clearly i don't think i'm going to be right yeah. about that Connor thought Muscadet from France, and Andy thought maybe Spanish. Maybe I, I guess Gadeo for this one. So I'm so just sticking with what I said. Find, let's find out. Pippa? What is the wine? Pip? And number two is. Oh! Yes! Wow. Connor. What is it, Pippa? Wow. Brior, um, which is a 2020 Muscadet. Yes! From France. Nothing wow. makes sense anymore. 
Couldn't do this again if I tried. Could not do this again. So, uh, okay, so it is natural. So you and I both got that part right. But Connor got the muscadet too. I feel so good right now. <laughs> yeah, this is the same maker as La Pepe, which we've carried forever. This is Pepe. I, I mean, Pepe is one of my favorite wines, like go-to drink. Like that is a go-to staple for me. And I feel really embarrassed because I thought I understood Muscadet. And oh, don't be embarrassed. Uh, you should be embarrassed because I drank this on Saturday. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right, I take it back. But that, I mean, that happens so often where, you know, you drink something in one context and then you have it in a different context and you don't know what it is and you might not like it as much. You know, it's so interesting, Connor. You said Muscadet. And you wrote me off? No, actually, what happened? <laughs> okay, we should make a face. Yeah. <laughs> no, okay, wait. So when I did right away, and then you said it, and then I was like, it, like I had this like, wait, is he, he could be right about that. And then I was like, that's the power of suggestion. Don't listen. Like, go with your conviction. And so I like did it. I shut, shut that door because I was like, no way. You're only saying yes because he said it out loud. And then lo and behold, it is a natural winemaker. From Muscadet. Yeah. Well done, sir. Well Thank done. you. I, I could never do this again. Um, See, this is because I should have paid attention when I was drinking when you were that on Saturday. Well, that was like the fifth bottle that got open. So, you know, it's party wine. It's, e <laughs> it's easy to not pay attention. Exactly. Context matters. Context. Okay. Should we do number three? Yeah. Oh, let's do it. Okay. To recap. recap. Yeah. Recap us, Connor. So Molly said that number three is conventional and guess that it's maybe from America. Andy uh, guessed by power of deductive reasoning that because his first two picks were conventional, this one had to be natural. Um, he picked Italy. And then I said that it was conventional and somewhere in the Southern Hemisphere. So Pippa, tell us what our wine is. And the third one is the Anama Vin Suave from Whoa. No, what? <laughs> Whoa. I least get Italy. I got something. You do get Italy. It is conventional. Conventional means Molly got all the three Hey! Winner of the day. Well done. Thank you. Well done. It's Connor, like you own the store or something. Connor did get more things right, but I got the thing we were talking about today right, so I'm going to go with that. Okay, so not my proudest moment today. Uh, and now I'm like, what, what do I take away from this? What are the next steps? Um, hmm, that's a good question. So Taste more? Yeah. Just drink more wine, Andy. I know. You've been falling down Thank on the God. couch, buddy. I do feel really, I've always prided myself on remembering what a wine tastes like in association with other wines. When I have something, I'm like, okay, this reminds me of XY from this wine and Mm -hmm. Z from this other thing and blind tasting just because when you do that you're like okay if I'm drinking another Italian wine I might be looking for this and you can start piecing things together and doing it blind you're looking at like a puzzle with you know the backside where everything's brown right. cardboard um, and it is a matter of like blind tasting going back to when we talked about some the only way to get better at blind tasting is to do more blind tasting right Right. And I do wonder, like, if, if you hadn't known that one of these wines w had to be natural, would you have said three was natural? I don't think so. No. Right. So I think that, like, I don't know, my takeaway from this is a little, like, come down on, like, do you like it or not? Right. And I guess, like, don't you don't have to get super hung up on whether a wine is made conventionally or naturally unless that's, like, 
what determines, you know, everything for you. Yeah. I mean, also, this isn't a funky natural line. <laughs> this is a, like, natural uh, flying under the radar. Yeah. Well, and that's what's interesting. When Mary was talking about producers who are natural producers who you might not realize are natural producers because they're just, like, old school and they just do things, this was on their website and made me say, oh, I didn't realize Domaine Pepier was natural. Yeah. I, yeah. I mean, thinking about this now, I feel like the task given to Lucas, he took it and was like, how can I trick them? What is the most difficult did a great way? Job. Lucas did do a great job. Thanks, Lucas. Yeah. No yeah. hard feelings, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> I guess. <laughs> Not yet. Anyway. Let's make him do this now. <laughs> yeah. 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 I think it's also interesting in the six and a half years that Table Wine's been open, you've done many different types of tasting, whether it's um, you know, an old world versus new world with the same grape or whether it's the high and low, same grape with a different price point. But this one really gets to the heart of what the wine is and in a way that those tastings might not and really challenges you to kind of think through like what is the expression of the wine in a way beyond just flavor, beyond just how it looks in the glass. Yeah, it's super true. I mean, like I switched my answer. Yeah. Right. With number two, because I got to number three and it was in it was in tasting number three that I was like, ah, this doesn't have that vibrancy that people have been talking about. And I went back to number two and I was like, that has something alive about it. Yeah. You know, in a way that that the other ones didn't. So I don't know. That's my takeaway. It really does. And I'm definitely going to staff pick this Muscadet. <laughs> it's my shining moment. But also because people need to drink this wine and see like yeah. how what Mary talked about expresses itself in the store in so many ways. It's so true. And also thinking about what David said that you know, he was talking in reference to like $6 bottles of wine, but he was talking about spending a few more dollars. And this is not just like a sales boy here, but this wine is $22. Mm -hmm. It is a little bit above, right? And I'm not saying that you have to drink this on your Tuesday night, but is it taking something that you might already know? Peppy's pretty f popular around the store. Like, or is it taking some a flavor that is similar to you and you spend a few more dollars and then you get this whole new kind of like complexity and expression. Well, I think it's also a good example of how you do that where, you know, most often if your price point is above the typical table wine price point, it's because it's worth doing. Mm -hmm. and it's because it's going to, it's going to teach you something or, you know, be the perfect thing for that time in your life or whatever it is. And so this is definitely worth it. Plan on it and, you know, Try it and taste it. And I'm thinking it's vindication for table wine as a concept where, <laughs> you know, the, where the wines aren't, it's not, you don't have like a, here's the natural wine exclusively section. I think it's great to walk into a store and if you end up walking home with a natural wine because that's what you want, like that's ended up being the thing that you should have walked away with. Like that was the best flavor profile, et cetera, versus going to get natural wine because you just, it's trendy. Well, maybe just think about the table, how you've decided to incorporate natural wine is like pretty subtle in a sense. And there's always the people that come in or like, I come here for natural wine. Great. Then you can find natural wine for them. But I think the average consumer is not really benefiting by the segregation of natural and conventional wine. Yeah. So for us, it started, I never even really honestly occurred to me to separate them out. I chopped at some places that had separated out like organic wine you know in the 2000s and it was always like 
there's the shelf over there, you know, like if you care about those kinds of things with kind of an eye roll with it. And so I really didn't want to do that. And then as all of this has grown organic and biodynamic and sustainable and natural wines and vegan, right? That's a question that we've gotten from customers. As the interest in all of those wines have grown, I've wanted it to not feel like you have to be relegated to this section. And also, I've wanted the person who buys nothing but buttery Chardonnay to maybe also pick up a natural wine, <laughs> right? So we've started to do kind of like subtle things. You know, we started with a, a different color tag for anything that followed fell into green practices. This past holiday season, we had a lot of people visiting family from bigger cities. And so they were kind of like, where are your natural wines? And it kind of got exhausting to be like, well, they're kind of throughout the store. So now we have this like really subtle, teeny tiny little green dot on the mm. tags. Um, but as we mentioned earlier, if you shop online, you can search on the word natural and it will literally show you, you know, the almost hundred natural wines that we carry. Um, and so you can see it that way. Yeah. But I do want them to be integrated more. And, and it's not to knock, you know, like David works at a natural yep. wine bar, right? Mary works at a natural wine shop. It's not to knock what they're doing. They are in much bigger markets than we yeah. are. Right. Like Washington, D.C. is a whole different ballgame than Madison. And I don't necessarily think a natural wine shop could be sustained here in Madison. And then as somebody who's like trying to focus on wines that are under twenty five dollars. You know, I can't include every natural wine I taste because like they, sometimes they're just, you know. Exactly. I'm just thinking of how many of the wines we've had over the course of these interviews or the season that have helped change my mind, I think, about natural wine, because I did have. I think a bias of thinking of natural wine in a funky way or like that kombucha thing and like the natural wine shop I had gone in Chicago once they're having a tasting and they were all just like kombucha-y similar expensive wine. And I was like this isn't ideal for a consumer and so like the fact that we couldn't tell very clearly which was which today I mean I failed um you got one or three. <laughs> <laughs> but it speaks to I think it makes more sense to have the wines in conversation for a market like Madison where people, I like the idea of if you love something on the shelf and you go one over that it might be a natural wine that you end up loving and you might not even know that right. um, versus like if you're seeking out natural wine for the sake of natural wine I think you are sacrificing a lot too yeah which is okay yeah. like we've talked yeah. to people who are like natural wine is their thing and I get that and there is its own world that you could live in but if you just are trying to enjoy wine why yeah. limit yourself? <laughs> yeah. And I also, you know, I think there's something to be said for like the subjectivity of palates and like what people find delicious, right? Like I was a beer buyer for many years and was very serious about beer. And so I reached a point with beer where like I needed it to be as wild and as funky as possible. I needed it to taste like drinking vinegar, right? Like that was the only thing that qualified as beer to me. And I'm just not there with wine, right? Like, like I, I like conventional Rioja, right? Like, I'm, yeah. I'm that's not going to change. I'm not, I'm not going to not like it. Um, well, and adding to this yeah. conversation, the next episode will be our customer celebration where we're drinking natural wines with people. And we get lots of great feedback that I think reflect the fact that some people just aren't diehard natural wine drinkers. And that's okay. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I think some of my like, most succinct thoughts are like, the more the merrier. It's great that natural wine exists and is part of this landscape. 
Yeah. And I'm glad it's not the only thing that exists. <laughs> right. I mean, I guess like I think of it, you know, for our analogy, visualization stuff that we always do, like it's kind of like, I don't know, a specific ride at a water park. You know what I mean? Like there's like the big pool that is conventional wine, but then there's like these like little fun things that you can go do. And I think that natural wine can be part of that. Or as we saw with the Muscadet, oh no, that you think that's the pool. <laughs> but actually it's this water slide over there. Molly, we are winding down. Time for our nightcap. Okay, Andy. And in this vein of conventional and alternative, let's say, what is a thing that you do really love the alternative version of like the conventional or mainstream? And so that's a broad ask, but you know, it could be anything. <laughs> I actually just had a conversation with a friend who called out cream cheese and was like, it's Philadelphia cream cheese. And I was like, well, yeah. And they're like, oh, other cream cheese is the worst. Whereas like, what's that weird thing where you need it to be the specific thing? Like Philadelphia is the conventional mainstream. Um, but, you know, okay. a product where you're like, I need to have the alternative. Okay. Can version. I answer Can I answer the, the converse first? Yes. Okay. So what do I need the conventional of? Because the alternative is never. Oh, open. yeah. Yeah. Ketchup. I am from Pittsburgh. I will stab a bitch if she comes at me with anything other than Heinz ketchup. I am so affronted by it. In my kitchen, there is a ketchup on everything print that my darling husband got me. I cannot stand when people talk about like, oh, homemade ketchup or house-made ketchup at a restaurant. I'm just like, please, just like take it away. Hunts, don't even come near me. <laughs> my city pride is so real about ketchup. <laughs> I love that because I, I actually feel really strongly about the alternative ketchup. I think it's always branded as like organic ketchup, but it's because they don't use high fructose corn syrup. And, that's, and it doesn't taste like ketchup. But I love the taste. I love that. I actually like, I greatly prefer the alternative ketchup. Um, so thank you for giving me my answer because I'm like hardcore about. I honestly, like, I seriously don't know that we can be friends. Like, this is like, <laughs> like a real deal breaker for me. I think, though, I do prefer Heinz over Hunts. Like, that is a big... Well, obviously, Hunts is disgusting, yeah, but... I think I have some Hunts at home. Like, this is gross. Like, why did... This is awful. Okay, all other ketchup is disgusting. Um, So, now that we've gotten that <laughs> roadblock in our friendship... Yeah, um, good, good. What is the alternative to the... Oh, I don't know. Take a moment. Okay, well, here's what I'll say. I think that, like, I am bouncing back from many, many years spent thinking that if I liked the thing that other people didn't like, that made me better mm -hmm. and smarter and cooler. Yeah. So I don't actually know that if I necessarily have a good answer because I was spent so much of my younger years needing to be, quote unquote, alternative. Yeah. Right. Yeah. In a time when, like, in the 90s, when, like, yeah. alternative was a thing that you said. And it's only recently that I have said, like, I like Harry Styles and I am <laughs> going to listen to that. Right. And I don't need everything I listen to be like the weirdest. Right. Yeah. But, like, you know, I know that I can't stop talking about her, but like reading a writer like Sally Rooney is not fitting for my personality. Right. Mm -hmm. Like I usually you have to read the person that other people don't read. Yeah. That's a really good point. Or I need to shit on the thing that people like just purely because other people like it. And sometimes the mainstream is great. Yeah. Like, and sometimes it's not like we're working with Pippa to understand the difference between art and pop mm, mm -hmm. particularly when it comes to music and like not that there isn't value in some pop music but like can you stop and appreciate the art artistry in other music mm -hmm, mm -hmm. it's very hard with a 10 year old um yeah, well, that seems 
I know, but I, it's important to both me and Connor. So, um, so I'm going to like not answer the question by saying that it's something that I'm working on to be more open to the conventional. Is that an acceptable answer? Yeah, but I want to give you, you have to give one example of <laughs> what maybe musically where you're like, F that cool, hip, popular group. I'm in the alternative. Oh, God. <laughs> I mean, all of them. Right? I feel like it's gotten. My, I feel like my taste has gotten more mainstream. I feel uh-huh. like my taste is like more normal than it used to be. Like, okay, when I was in high school, everybody loved the Beastie Boys, and I also loved the Beastie Boys. But I, I needed everyone to know that I actually loved Luscious Jackson the most. This was before they got popular, right? And that's what I talk when I'm talking about it. Like, the OG hipster move of I liked it before it was cool. That was me, uh, yeah. right? So, like, I saw Luscious Jackson on the side stage at Lollapalooza. I was, like, in the mosh pit. And I loved them. And then, like, the next year or whatever, they released whatever. I don't even know the name of the single that got popular. But then I immediately, like, dismissed them. And I hated them. And no, they were never cool because, you know, other people then knew about yes. them. So that was my move. I was very much. So I have some friends who don't consider me a hipster. And I understand why because I'm kind of, like, kind of bougie mom. But I'm like, but there are like internal things about me that make me such a hipster ass clown. <laughs> I love it. Well, yeah, this is actually, I feel the same way about a lot of things where if I, if a thing has gotten popular and then people are telling me to watch or listen to something, I don't want to on the principle that, well, now you know about it. So it's too late. I missed the hip train and now I'm joining the bandwagon. I don't want to be on the bandwagon. And the current example of this is the Bo Burnham special that came out like, I feel like a year ago now that people are like, this is the greatest thing ever. And because other people saw it before me and came to me to tell me to watch it, like I just can't watch it because I'm like, well, everyone else already saw it. So what's the utility in me seeing this and joining the parade? That's me with Miss Maisel. Oh yeah, yeah. I feel the same way. Somebody just today was telling me that I needed to watch it. And I was like, uh-huh, you joined the list of a million people. But then, you know, <laughs> Connor and I, when we when we stop and watch those things, I mean, nine times out of ten, I like them. Yeah, see, we're the worst people. We are really obnoxious. We are. Yeah. Oh, this is, okay, again, though, a good listener question, if we could drop it in. What is your favorite alternative or mainstream thing to the alternative? Either or. Season three, we'll see. <laughs> All right, Andy, I think it's that time. Chin, chin. Chin, chin. Before I go, let me mention our finale episode. It's the most ambitious table wine episode yet. We're going to need at least an extra week or two, but we're so excited for you to hear. The Table Wine Podcast is brought to you by me, Andy Stoiber, and Molly Moran. Special thanks to Craig Ely for his production consultation. If you're enjoying what we're doing here and want to support us, you can do so at tablewinemadison.com slash podcast. And as always, please review, rate, like, subscribe, and share. Thanks for listening. Hope you tune in again soon.